Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's another Monday. We are trekking on toward Thanksgiving. I just can't believe we're headed toward the end of the year. This has been the weirdest year ever. Um, (laughs) But I'm so glad you guys took time out of your day to be here with us today. Today, we have a returning author, Mark Watson. He was on, um, I want to say, last year. But anyway, he writes fantastic fantasy from up in Canada. And if you haven't read Mark yet, you're in for a treat. I'll read his bio here so you can get to know him. Mark Watson is an author of genre fiction of all lengths and styles. He began writing at the age of 15 and continues to be a part-time writing student at Athabasca University. I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, He has been published on Flash Fiction site, 101 Words. And as well as a comedy site, thecorrectness.com. And Mark lives in Calgary, Canada. He's a husband and proud father of two, an avid outdoorsman, martial artist, baseball player, and lover of all Mexican foods. And really, who is not? Yum. Um, He can be found at his website. I did put a link right there on the Blog Talk site for you. Just click that anytime and you can check out his blog and what's happening next. And he's also active on Facebook, and I put a link to his Facebook page right there on Blog Talk, so you can click that anytime and head over there to follow him. So, Mark, are you there? I sure am, Lisa. Thank you very much for that introduction. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming back. You have a new book, Between Conversations, out, right? Yes, I do. Between Conversation, Tales from the World of Ryujin. It's a science fantasy anthology collection of, of, I'm going to call them short stories, though some of them aren't terribly short, that I put together that takes place in the same world as my Catching Hell duology. Nice. And so these are are some of the stories I was trying to, I read the back on it, and some of the stories are prequels and some are after the last book, right? Yes, that's right. The way that I wanted to kind of construct this book was to do it, make the stories chronological. There's nine stories in it, and they are chronological from about the year 1600 to the distant, distant future that, as you say, some of them take place before and some of them take place after my Catching Hell duology. Nice. And do you think people need to have read the duology first or could they read these and kind of get a taste for it and then read the full novel? I I think that they could absolutely read these and then get a taste for it. I put it in the prologue, just kind of giving a brief overview of the world. You just basically have to know how this world kind of functions, how the magic functions and how the technology functions in altogether and you um you kind of get an idea of the world that this is all taking place in and it's not too complicated i think i I designed it so that way you could pick it up yes there's some reoccurring characters but for the most part it's good and hopefully it will lure people to want more of those characters right and go get the novel well there's that too. I mean, a part of this is definitely me, me uh, wanting to do this on my own. It's the way I, this is the reason that I, I did it this way because there were some characters and there's some situations I really wanted to explore. 
but yeah, it, uh, it, it, I hope it kind of goes crossways. Now I say that, and, and I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a bit of a predicament at the moment because I, uh, I have my duology was out and the publisher for it went under the, well, they, they kind of, they sold to another imprint and I or wasn't, wasn't exactly on board with that imprint's idea. So that duology is currently not for sale. However, uh, I was fortunate enough to have it picked up by the publisher of my debut novel, Death Dresses Poorly. They agreed to continue working with me and they will re-release it, give it a spit shine and new coat of paint, and it will be out next year. So the first part of this remastered version with – with uh, what I'm going to politely call a better better editing job and a new cover and, and such will be out in the first quarter of 2021 with part two following sometime later in the year to be determined. Oh, great. So this uh, anthology could be like an introduction appetizer before the books come back out, right? It could. It was very strange the way it worked out because I had these stories done years ago and then they were released and I had I'm going to I'm going to say moderate humbling success with them and then this kind of the situation of them which wasn't surprising to me because the story behind how those two books came out and the and their kind of roller coaster ride was uh, an interesting one I won't get into now but <laughs> it, it is now kind of reversed itself because now between conversations is out and it is kind of an introduction into this world and they can absolutely go hand in hand. It really doesn't matter which one somebody has read first, but it would be wonderful if somebody was to pick up between conversations, fell in love with this world or even some of the characters or just the way things work and were eager for more once my Catching Hell duology is re-released next year. So when the duology comes back out, did writing all these stories fire you up to add any more books into that world, or is it all complete? I have wanted to write more books in this world for quite some time. And as you said in my little bio bit there, I've been writing since the age of 15 while I was writing in this world. Not these stories, but I wrote a trilogy by hand and pen and paper years and years and years ago, which I still have to this day in a binder on my bedside table. And I am the first to admit that it is terrible and the grammar and punctuation. And I I seem to have been allergic to paragraphs. I don't think that there's any paragraphs in any of the, it's weird. It's just rows. It looks like I was punishing myself writing this. It looks like somebody who was was like writing lines as some kind of after school. Yeah. You had to write it 50 times. Yeah. Exactly. It, it really does kind of look like that. And I don't know, like I was 15, I was in high school at the time. It's not like I didn't know what these things were, but apparently I just didn't want to do that. So I, I, I've been mentally kind of living in this world ever since that time. And it was naturally the first place for my first major written story. It wasn't my first release. That's a different story again, but my first major written story was Catching Hell, the Catching Hell duology. I wrote it all at one time, but it ended up being a quarter of a million words, and that's very difficult to sell for your first novel. So I, I think I wisely split it into this <laughs> duology, and it, it works out well that way. And I 
absolutely plan on continuing writing in this world. I have a couple other small projects that I want to work on first, and then I'm looking to launch back into it. It is, it's an undertaking writing epic science fantasy stories of any kind, because you have to, you have to really commit to it. You have to really get your mind in that space. It's not the kind of thing that I can just smash out. Like I have some of my other stories. This it's, it's a world I have to inhabit. I have to enjoy inhabiting it in order to write it properly. And can you tell people, I mean, I know you've talked about you've lived half your life in this world, but can you describe the, the um, inspiration for the world or, you know, what kind of magic are we talking about or who's the good guys and the bad guys? I I would love to. The, the inspiration, uh, as I was saying, I was starting at like the age of 15. So we're talking about the mid nineties and it was a lot of the popular culture that I was consuming at the time, be it science fiction, the fantasy that I was reading at the time. And I was watching a lot of Japanese anime and the stories that they were telling. I thought that they were incredibly mature and very well-rounded stories more so than what we were getting in North America. So that was kind of where the inspiration came from. So there's that. And the, the world itself is very, grounded albeit in a very fantastical way i don't just randomly say magic exists i do give a i'm i'm going to stutter and say plausible scientific reason behind it though it is still a bit of a stretch i mean there does still have to be a little bit of quote-unquote magic to it and it is something that's very inherent in most people they just have to learn how to extract it how to bring it out into the world and i wanted to create this both the science fiction side of it because there is robots and there's lasers and there's those very kind of natural science fiction tropes and then there's also fantasy elements because there are dragons and magic and phoenix large phoenix men that are imposing and funny and incredibly scottish and I, I wanted to kind of combine all of these worlds. And with Catching Hell specifically, I, I think personally, I mean, the readers can make their own assessment that I found a very natural way to do it because it focuses on two protagonists in R.U. and Johan. And the two of them are separated very early in the story. And one travels into this kind of magical world and the other travels into the technological world. And then eventually the whole story is about their their quests in these particular worlds until they eventually get the opportunity to come back together at the end. I'm not spoiling anything because that's the whole point of the trope. But <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it it is a very, as I say, grounded world. It's not just a world where uh, I flippantly say, yes, magic and fairies and all these other things exist. It, it, it is still grounded in some form of reality, but I, I am absolutely certain that a well-educated scientist could sit down and pick holes in it all day, but that's the joy of writing in the genre. <laughs> well, and fantasy, you know, it's not like hard sci-fi. You can take some liberty. Yeah, exactly. You, you can you can get away with a bunch. You can kind of slide sideways on some things. So I, I like to think that I kind of tread that line between between fantasy and reality decently enough that nobody's really going to come down on me hard, but you'd be well within your rights to do that if you really felt like you needed to. <laughs> so, so 
can you uh, tell the listeners who have never read you before, um, what what was your writing journey like? You said when you were 15, you got a notebook. Um, but as when when did you decide, you know what, I'm going to pull out that notebook. I think I do want to be a writer. Did it always stick with you? What what did your journey look like? It's always kind of stuck with me. It's it's very interesting the way it kind of worked. I was consumed by that story in when I was 15, 16 years old, and to the point where I almost failed that particular grade that I was in because I was just so <laughs> focused on writing it. I would do it in class, and I just got incredibly single-minded about it. And then for years, I never really did that much with it. I always kind of knew that I had this penchant for storytelling, but... I, I didn't do too much with it. I was a young man. I had moved incredibly far away from where I was born. I was out on this brand new adventure and I was enjoying the adventures that I was having in this new world of mine. And as I started to settle in a little bit more and I started to slowly go back to writing things again, I started crafting some of the ideas that would turn into some of these early stories and books that I've written. And I, found myself about 10 years ago sitting in a job that I very much enjoyed, but I was kind of in the middle of a recession and I had to take this one job because I needed the work I needed to work. I am, I'm not a proud man when it comes to that kind of thing. I will gladly do whatever job needs to be done just to help my family and, and do what we got to do. And nice. it was a great job and I love the people and I'm still working for that company, albeit in a different role. But it wasn't incredibly mentally stimulating. So I would sit down at lunch. I work for a large company that is very much a a cubicle farm, exactly what you're picturing as soon as I say those (laughs) words. And and we had a lot of empty space and I would kind of steal away to one of those empty cubicles and I'd write for 45 minutes to an hour every lunch hour. And I did that for about a year and the end result was catching hell. And then I kind of sat on it because I just really wanted to tell this story for myself. I didn't really think too much about it. So I just sat on it for a long time and my wife was incredibly encouraging. And she would say, you wrote a book and it's a really long book. You should try and do something with it. It's okay. Like get out there, live your dream. And I always kind of felt that I wrote it for myself, but eventually I kind of realized that there could very well be a market for it, even if it's just a small one, even if it's just my friends and family who are humoring me, which is perfectly okay. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember very specifically, it was on February 29th, 2016. So the leap day, if you will. And I was sitting at my desk and I said, I'm going to do it. I, I have no reason not to try this. There's nothing that's going to be gained from not trying to get myself out there. So I started my writing classes at Athabasca University. So your pronunciation was pretty strong right at the beginning there, I just want to say. And <laughs> I started doing that. And I started looking into writing groups and talking to editors and learning how this whole process goes and getting myself signed up for writing conventions. I, I threw myself into it whole hog and I haven't looked back. I've had kind of fits and starts where I've been on waves of incredible creativity and luck and then I I intentionally make it kind of quiet again I mean I'm still a father of two busy young boys and a dedicated husband I want to make sure that my family gets 
the majority of my time, of course, but they've been incredibly understanding if I have to steal away for a weekend or a phone call such as this and allowing me to do that. So it's been, it's been an interesting balance, but it, it's been a ride that I would not have done any other way. I'm incredibly happy with the way that this has come together. And if I could have done anything different in the past, I, I might've tried to get things started a little bit sooner because I was just sitting on catching hell for so long. But in, in the end, like I said, I think that the time that it took for me to kind of let it marinate a little bit and mature and allow myself to mature went a long way towards creating realistic expectations for this journey as the writer that I am taking. Yes. And also sometimes we need, especially if it's like a large, I write paranormals and, and especially if it's, going to be this large world sometimes we need that time to percolate you know to get it really clear in our head before the story is really ready to come out on paper absolutely true absolutely true and i think that with genre fiction that's a big part of it i mean i've written in a few different genres so far and the more kind of I'll say fantastical they are, the more I find, like I had mentioned earlier, that I really have to kind of immerse myself in it in order to do it right. When I first wrote Catching Hell, as any first-time author could probably tell you, then now it wasn't as terrible as whatever it was I was doing back in high school, but it certainly was not show-ready, that's for sure. And it required, between the writing and the coming back and editing it and, and rereading it and doing all that, it took five years of, of getting it done. And there wasn't a whole lot of downtime in there. I was usually editing it or rereading it, or I eliminated a main character altogether. Originally, there were three protagonists. I mean, it was a it was a process that went on and on. And I was so immersed in that world. And then by the end of it, I was just so absolutely sick of that world because I had lived in it for so long that I right. pivoted completely. <laughs> I wrote another book. I smashed it out as fast as I possibly could, and it ended up being my first release. So everybody's journey is a different one. Right, right. And I was going to ask you, too, I, you said you've written in other genres, but what what else are you hoping to do? Like, do you have a, a secret idea for a historical or, you know, what, what other genres do you want to write in someday? I still very much see myself working in all the different spectrum of uh, of where I've been so far, be it fantasy or science fiction. Now, I think that with Between Conversations, I stretch myself about as far as I possibly can when it comes to those kinds of genres, because the whole kind of point for it was to challenge myself to write different styles of stories. They're not all the same kind. So if you walk in there looking for just a quick science fiction or or fantasy story, you're not going to find one. But they're all different kinds of genre fiction. There's one that's very much a very kind of YA style story that uh, I wrote and uh, I've read my kids and my kids really like it, which is great because they're not huge readers right now. And I wrote a straight paranormal horror thriller that I really wanted to write and and just kind of amp up the graphic nature of my writing a little bit more and have some fun with that. And I did, uh, there's a very like kind of intimate 
bar story that, I mean, it takes place in the distant, distant future, but it really could have taken place at just about any time, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that hard. I call it very Tarantino-esque. Like it's, I wrote it as a scene out of something like a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. And, like a, histor- a historical fantasy. So like the, all these kind of things are in there, but I've also written an urban fantasy and urban fantasy dark comedy was my first release. I'm currently working on a paranormal thriller that at some point I will finish. I keep feeling like I'm not quite skilled enough to write the ending for it yet. But again, that's why we have editors. So I just have to kind of bear down and do it at some point. I, I very much doubt that you'll ever find that Mark Watson has written a, a romance or a a hard historical fiction or books about tall ships uh, and that kind of thing <laughs> under a different name or even under my own name. I, I doubt that you'll see that. I don't think that that's kind of where I'm going with this. I don't have any secret aspirations for those kinds of things. But in the genres that I do write, I like to think that I cover just about every spectrum of it that I can. And when I was poking around your website, it looks like you draw a little bit too. Do you have dreams of seeing any of your things become graphic novels? Although I will say that I have dreams of having graphic novels or animated TV shows, anime, that kind of thing. The one thing I have to point out about my website is that the main drawing that's on there, if you go there and see it, it was not actually done by myself. It was done by one of my oldest and dearest friends, Patrick Yocan Prasad, who is a, uh, a very talented author in his own right, though not currently published. I am happily working with him on a kind of YA story that he wrote some time ago that now that I'm, my feet are firmly in this world, I, I can definitely help guide him on. But all credit to Patrick and his work because I asked him for some kind of visualization of Nixon Ash, one of my main characters. He's one of the main characters of Catching Hell. He's the main character of Alive Again, which is the first short story. And it, it's, it captures what I was looking for perfectly. He, he absolutely nailed it. So thank you to Patrick. Oh, that's cool. And uh, which which of your books or stories do you think would make a fantastic graphic novel? I I personally think that my f- debut novel, Death Dresses Poorly, can probably be transmi- translated to just about any visual medium, be it a graphic novel or TV show or movie or whatever it is that you can envision. I just... The nature of that story, it, it's very kind of Neil Gaiman-esque. That was a lot of where the inspiration came from. It was kind of Neil Gaiman with a little bit of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and kind of the oh, back and forth between Butch and Sundance. Only all of that with a lot more swearing. Uh, I kind of went off the rails there <laughs> a little bit with that. But there is some incredibly fantastical elements to it, things that would be very visually striking, but there's also an incredible intimacy between the two main characters of Ethan and death and how they kind of go back and forth at one another. And I love those stories that can be giant and grandiose and really kind of fill your, your spectrum of, of what you can see and hear and feel while also being incredibly intimate and, and relatable so that was what I wanted, and I absolutely think that if you were to visualize Death Dresses poorly, 
it would not disappoint. Oh, I love that. It sounds fantastic. And uh, did you watch um, Good Omens, that Neil Gaiman that Amazon Prime did? I did, and that's an excellent example of what it is I'm talking about because you have the two main characters, and they're in these giant fantastical worlds and situations, but it is still a very intimate story. It is, it is the story of the two right. main characters and their unique backgrounds and, and how they've just become friends. I was a huge fan of the book. I'm a huge fan of the TV show. And of course, I believe that they cast it brilliantly. I couldn't have asked for yeah. anything better than right? um, yeah, Sheen and, and David Tennant. <laughs> they were perfect. Absolutely perfect. Like yes. when I'm, when I'm picturing those characters, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's perfect. And now that's all I see. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. And for anyone listening, if you haven't read Good Omens yet, it's one of those books I always recommend to people. It's, I'm not a big rereader, but I've read that one a few times. It's just, it's, it's such a fantastic representation of, you know, people becoming friends from opposite ends of the spectrum. And uh, it, it's just, and it's a very funny look at the end of the world. So definitely give it a read if you haven't read good omens yet and the show turned out great too but but the book is still i think it's still my favorite although the casting of good omens tv was just it was really perfect so hard to say (laughs) it's great when a story does that when when it's cast so well or when a character is embodied so well by a particular actor that that's strictly how you envision it. Now, I'm, I, as a big kind of Neil Gaiman fan, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I only envision Charlie Cox in his role, or I only envision Ian McShane in, in, in his role for the work that they've done in those, in Neil Gaiman stories. But, but Good Omens, yeah, absolutely does. It, it's, yeah. it's Sheen and Tennant and, and, and I am perfectly okay with that. <laughs> right. Uh, are any of your books out in audiobook? Have you have you ventured in that direction yet? I haven't. I haven't yet. However, I freely, freely admit that I have seriously weighed doing at least Death Dresses Poorly because Death Dresses Poorly specifically is not a terribly long book. It's also 45,000 words, what I like to call a weekend reader. And it's incredibly dialogue heavy, very much back and forth. And it's one of those kinds of things that I'd also love to kind of tackle myself. I have always also wanted oh. to get into voice acting and that kind of thing. And by mm-hmm. a fortunate series of events, my son has a wonderful video game streaming setup that just so happens to translate perfectly to recording. I, I would do it differently. I would set things up properly, but he has an excellent microphone and, and I've worked with him when it comes to cutting audio and, and that kind of thing, which I've also done for myself on a YouTube video that I did. So I would absolutely love to kind of do that. My problem with it is I, I, I just have no idea when I'm going to find the time to do that. That's kind of my problem with everything kind of writing and creating right. based is <laughs> because I know that I wouldn't be able to do it all in one smash. And I envision right. myself like sitting in my closet. I think my closet is probably mm-hmm. the best place to do it and, right. and, and soundproofing it properly and, and, and doing it in there and, than having to set that up every time I do it. So I, I think I'm mentally creating barriers for myself, but right. I did do the first chapter. 
Yeah, exactly. My my publisher for it asked me to do the first chapter some time ago, like years ago, and I did that, and I enjoyed it. And these characters are very personal to me. They're absolutely, I freely admit that they are versions of me. They're me at like the age of 20 who, and me at the age of like 50, 55, and how those two kinds of personalities would clash with one another. And I... I would love the opportunity to give those characters the voice that I kind of envision them having, which selfishly enough is my own. <laughs> well, I hope that you get the time to do it because I know, especially with this crazy pandemic year, a lot of people have been um, turning to audiobooks, you know, because the escape is, is great. And <laughs> so I yeah. hope that you follow through on it because that would be fantastic. And, you know, since this isn't the first time I've had this conversation, I think I'm going to take this exact moment as the impetus I need to be like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm going to set some time aside and I'm going to let my family know to leave dad alone because he's in the closet and just <laughs> just leave him alone in there for a while. Oh, Why good. I'm glad that again? I could I be the know. impetus of dad in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're rapidly running out of time. But I wondered, is there a way that readers can get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to, um, you know, connect so that they can find out when the books are re-released and all that? And your new audio book comes out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Amongst all the other things that I'm doing. Also the audio. Right? Uh, I, I, uh, I look after all of my, all of my, um, social media so if you connect with me on on facebook on twitter if you go to my website there's there's ways to connect with me on there i look after all of that personally i am also uh represented by uh creative edge who is my publicist who does fantastic work you can reach out to them and you can track me down through there i try and be as hands-on as i possibly can i'm the kind of guy who very much loves to talk to the readers however I possibly can because there's no other reason why I'm doing this other than my own selfish enjoyment and for the readers and (laughs) if there's some way that I can reach out that is great I love going to things like expos and cons and just you don't have to buy anything from me just to have a conversation with me let me know what you like let me know what you don't I am I am a weathered enough man by this point that I can take your criticism as much as I can take your praise. And I look forward to both of them. And <laughs> I, I, I would love for anybody to reach out and, and just say, Hey, I liked your work or Hey, I was a big fan of this or what have you done in this? I, I love answering questions about it, whatever I can do to connect. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being here today, and thanks for listening, everyone, and we will talk to you soon. I want to know when that audio comes out. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.